When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Listen, there are people, and then there are people, and then there are people, but there's nobody like this guy here, Roger Lodge. Listen, from the Sports Lodge, I am so happy that you were uh, uh, joining us today. This is called Showtime with Coop, Insightful BS with some of my Laker teammates and some people I love. Roger, how have you been, man? How have I been? I'm living the dream in Southern California, and I get a kick out of the way that you have. You think you have to explain your show to me. Nobody knows your career better than Roger Lodge, the host of the Sports Lodge weekday afternoons on Angels Radio AM 30. But let me tell you something, Coop. It is an honor and kind of surreal that my cell phone rang the other day, and I was invited to your show. Are you kidding me? I've been on you forever. And can I just start this by asking one freaking question? How is it possible that we're sitting here on this amazing podcast and Zoom right now without number 21 of the purple and gold? First of all, what in the world is J.R. Smith doing wearing that shirt? <laughs> that is a flat-out travesty. How dare the Lakers disrespect you like that? But how is Michael Cooper – not in Springfield, Massachusetts, because last time I checked, it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. Coop, and I'm not just saying this because I'm sitting here with you. What more does a guy have to do? Five NBA championships, and Magic, and Kareem, and Worthy, and Byron, God bless them. Riles doesn't have five titles with the Lakers without number 21's defense. Who always guarded the toughest guy on the other team? That would be Coop. Five-time first-team all-defense, defensive player of the year in 1987. And it doesn't stop there, Coop. What did you do for the WNBA, for your great work as the two-time champion L.A. Sparks, baby? WNBA coach of the year. And you won a title in the D-League. What more does a man have to do to get into the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame? It's a travesty. Number 21's not on it. Roger, you know what? First of all, if I was a little lighter, you'd see me blushing. <laughs> second, of all, second of all, if I wasn't married, I'd ask you to marry me. But we're both <laughs> happily married. But, Roger, you know what? Um, I feel, uh, again, that's going to be some uh, – I think eventually it will happen. But thank you for that, and uh, thank you for pumping us the way you did. Uh, we just got to keep doing it. 
But yeah. I feel that my number is up there because, you know, I wore number 21, and 2 plus 1 is 3, and Magic is 32, so he has 3-2. Uh, Kareem is, is 3, so he has 3-3. Three, three. And James Worthy is is uh, 42, and at least 2 is up there. So I feel that I'm up on the Raptors a little bit. Wow. But hopefully one day that will happen. And this I'll add to that too, Roger, and I don't – slight anybody from getting into the hall because, again, when you get nominated and elected. But if they can fucking hop, get uh, Dennis Rodman up in there who wore lipstick and who dressed all kind of weird ways, <laughs> set Coop in, open the door, bang, bang, bang. I'm knocking, Roger, I'm knocking. <laughs> and we got to keep knocking, and I can't wait for the day that I'm sitting out in the audience and Michael Cooper is up there. And by the way, Coop, who would introduce you? Who would introduce you if you were elected to the Basketball Hall of Fame? I think I'd have my kids, my oldest son, and all my kids. I got four kids, uh, Michael, uh, the second, Simone, Miles, and my youngest is Neil. I, I would like for them to inter- introduce me or, or induct me. That would be absolutely beautiful. As I do these things, I get the chance to research. And as I was doing my research, I didn't know you were a Cali kid. But Hell I should have yeah. known by your wavy hair and that nice tan you have, I should have known that you uh, went to Cerritos High School, basketball right. player, yeah. you further went on and played at your college. Uh, how was that experience playing basketball back then? Coop, I was the little guy that could spot up and knock down an open look. And I really thought, I really thought that someday I'd end up in the league. You know how we all think when we're coming up and we think we're going to do something. But uh, the first college game I ever played, I was a Woodier College poet. We were the poets, yeah. And the first college game I ever played in, we played the University of Georgia. And they have a cat that you might be familiar with, who uh, also, I believe, wore number 21. His name was Dominique Wilkins. And Neek had 30 on us at the half. And then, God bless you, <laughs> Durham, their head coach at the time, for sitting him down. He was, he was the human highlight reel as a freshman at Georgia. And I realized at that moment, maybe it would be better to start talking about sports than trying to play sports, and I was all set. But I do have one major accomplishment as a college basketball player. In that game at Georgia, four seconds left in the game, and the Bulldogs fouled me and put me on the line. And one thing I could do, I could knock him down from the free throw line. Oh, we're all, we're all taught to be good free throw shooters. Exactly. So I knocked down the front end of a one-and-one, and and then I stepped up there, and with 10,000 people booing and waving their hands behind the bucket, I knocked down that second free throw to bring my Woodier College poets within 60. Yeah. (laughs) Final score, 122 to 62. We got blown out, and I was looking for a new career. The other thing that night, Coop, at the start of the game – we had a really good point guard by the name of Dice Martin. His, his son, Doug Martin, was a running back in the NFL, but Dice was our point guard, and he was really good. There was no way I was going to get any PT against the Georgia Bulldogs. Dice rolled an ankle about a minute into the game, and Coach says, Lodge, get in there. But I was so, I was so freaking nervous that I forgot to put on my pants that night, and when I pulled off the warm-ups, all I was wearing was a jock. I said to the trainer, I don't have any pants. So he reached into his bag and he threw me a pair of pants and they were triple XL. 
So I think I'm the guy that started the baggy shorts for the Winter College Poets back in the early 80s. So you can thank me for that. <laughs> well, well, we'll write a letter to Michael Jordan because they're yeah. trying to give it to him. But, <laughs> Roger, you know what? One of the accomplishments that uh, I got a chance to see that you did is that you were in the Celebrity Shootout three-point contest in yeah. 2004 and five. Now, listen. I was in that, and you're lucky you didn't have to go up against a guy named Larry Bird who yeah. walked into the locker room and told everybody, listen, all you fucks better be ready to shoot for <laughs> second place because I'm shooting for first place. <laughs> well, it's one thing to say that in front of the best shooters in the world in your locker room. <laughs> I, I tried the same thing, but for me, I said that in front of Dean Kane and Frankie Munez from Malcolm in the Middle. It's a whole different <laughs> vibe when you do it in front of those guys as opposed to the best players in the world like Larry Bird did. Did you so, have shorts on for that? I, I did wear shorts. And I want to say something about this, Coop, about coming up as a kid, learning the jump shot, from my late great stepfather, Bob Lodge, who played some college basketball at Washington State. I got to tell you, and I hope there's a lot of kids watching right now, because just the disciplines from basketball, being part of a team, trying to accomplish a goal, going after it together, the disciplines involved, if you really truly want to be good, those disciplines that I learned as a high school basketball at Cerritos High School, where I played with Ben Howland, who was the coach at UCLA, now Mississippi State, and, uh, and then Woodier College, where I played for Dave Jacobs, the late, great Dave Jacobs, who's no longer with us. And Greg Popovich, when I was at Woodier, was the head coach of Pomona, Pomona. Pitzer. But all of these, all these, wow. these disciplines that I learned playing this great game that we all love so much, I use those disciplines in business every single day to this day so uh, uh you what are some of those things what are some of those things discipline uh time management yeah. working part of a team working with a group to accomplish one goal i have the honor and pleasure of doing afternoon drive in the number two market in the country and i'm on from two to seven i got five hours guys and every morning at about 6 a.m. when I walk into my studio, it's like I have a blank easel, and I can do whatever I want with those five hours. How am I going to make a difference today? What am I going to talk about today? What lessons can be learned? If there's kids listening, families listening, yeah, we talk about sports. We love sports here in Southern California. But at the same time, it's kind of a family show, and we do a lot of great things on my radio show that I'm really proud of. Roz, you know what? Uh, I'm glad you said that about the lessons that you learn in basketball that you can apply to your life off the court. And one of the things I always tell kids, I have this concept that I call Coop's 5Ds. Love they it. are determination, dedication, desire, discipline, and decision-making. And I tell the kids that in the, in, the, in, the, in the respect of, at one point in time, that was my report cards. Because back in the 70s, you know, all you have to do is just have a D, just to make it to stay eligible in basketball, as opposed to now. I mean, your GPA got to be like a 4.5 or something like that. So uh, it, I use those same things and 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 adjectives like that to uh, help. I mean, when I'm teaching kids on the on the basketball court, and I'm helping them in the classroom, and when I go out and talk in the community. So I am so glad that you mentioned that, and uh, that's what you stand for. 
I appreciate that, Coop. And let me piggyback on what you just said, because I have a family member that is living proof of what you just talked about. My oldest son, Brandon, was a pretty darn good high school baseball player, and he was recruited by UCLA. And John Savage, the head coach there, who's been there forever and truly one of the best to ever do it at the collegiate level, he told me one day, look, your son, Brandon, is very good. He's a very good player. But here's why I want him on my team at UCLA. Is he a star? Like at the time they had a kid named Garrett Cole who's gone on to do some pretty good things in the big leagues. And they also had another pitcher named Trevor Bauer who pitches for the Reds now. He said, he's not, your son's not throwing high 90s like Trevor or Garrett. But we can put him on our roster. We know he's going to get really good grades. He's a really good kid. And we're never going to have to worry about him. All the parents today get so caught up into, my kid's got to play Division One. He's got to get playing time. He's got to get at bats. The reality of the situation is there are only so many superstars. And you've got to fill your roster with not only good, solid players, but really good kids and really good students so the coaches don't have to worry about them. And I think a lot of parents these days lose sight of that. For sure, for sure. So, Roger, as we take our walk through life and you go through and you play it with your college and you say that uh, finally that, you know, uh, basketball is not your thing and you want to start talking about it, yeah. and 1998 rolls around. And all of a sudden, there's a show called Blind Date. And 1999, you start on that show. Tell us about Blind Date. As a matter of fact, Roger, I love that show. And after you say a little bit about it, we're going to play a little game between Ari and myself, and you'll be the host. Yes. Sports keep coming back. So does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball has finally returned this summer, as it's in full swing and there's no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. As sports start to return, BetOnline has sat down with Eddie George from the NFL, Robert Laurie, seven-time NBA champion, and Harold Reynolds from Major League Baseball to get their opinion on what it will be like playing without fans and what they have called pandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Start on that show. Tell us about Blind Date. matter of fact, Roger, I love that show. And after <laughs> you say a little bit about it, we're going to play a little game between Ari and myself, and you'll be the host. Oh, yes. I love it. Oh, I love it. All right, so in, in the 1995 time frame, I'm, uh, to see, I had moved up to L.A. in the early 80s with my best friend in the world, a guy named John Stamos, who went on to be Uncle Jesse on Full House and the ER, and he's had all these great series. The best guy you ever want to meet. Love John. He's absolutely the best. So he and I get an apartment up in L.A. He's doing general hospital at the time, and I'm working as a waiter up at a place called Santa Pietro's on Beverly Glen and Mulholland, where Pat Riley used to come in. And by the way, Riles was a great tipper. We used to fight over him when he came in. But anyway, <laughs> I'm running around on auditions, and somehow I can't get a job to save my life. And I have a daily planner somewhere in my home office, I, 300 auditions that I went on. Wow. Not only did I not get the job, 
I didn't even get a call back. So I was, I kept pushing, I kept pushing, I kept pushing. And then I kind of stumbled into hosting because there was a host named Greg Kinnear on a show called Talk Soup. Greg was going to go do his first movie, Sabrina, with Harrison Ford, directed by Sidney Pollack. So they were looking for a fill-in host for Greg Kinnear on Talk Soup. I started filling in for Greg. But the way I got that job, listen to this, Coop. They wouldn't see me. They wouldn't bring me in to audition me. Why would I? I'm working as a waiter and I'm the you know, apartment manager in my building at the time. I didn't have any experience. But I knew I could pull it off. I knew I could host Talk Soup. So I kept calling the casting director, a lady by the name of Amy Walpert, and I called her every day for like three weeks. You got to see me. You got to bring me in for an audition. She never returned my call. One late Thursday night, I said, what the heck? I'm going to give it one more shot. She picked up her phone. Now I'm talking to the lady I've been pestering for three weeks. And I say, Miss Walpert, my name is, and she cuts me right off and she says, (laughs) I know who you are. You've been bugging me for three weeks. I'll make you a deal. I'll bring you in for an audition if you promise to stop calling me. (laughs) You got it. You got it. They brought me in the next day, which was a Friday. Coop, on Monday, I was on the air hosting Talk Soup. I never gave up, and I never gave up in that situation. And the more I did Talk Soup, other studios would call and say, who's this guy? Who's this guy hosting Talk Soup? We want to see him for our show. They brought me in to audition for Blind Date. And I wa- and keep in mind, I'm doing Talk Soup at the time as I go to my audition for this new dating show, Blind Date. I don't know anything about dating. At the time, my love life was a train wreck, right? So I go into audition for Blind Date, and there's literally 100 people in the room. Girls, guys, Hispanic guys, African-American guys, white guys, little people. They had no idea what they wanted as the host of Blind Date. But, very important, there was a sign up in the waiting room that said, we are looking for the talk suit mentality, that sarcastic tone for Blind Date. Coop, I left the audition. I didn't even audition. I left, and I told my agent, Tell them to watch Talk Soup. I'll show them sarcasm over the wow. weekend. And they offered me blind date like the following Monday or Tuesday. Wow. So real quickly, Roger, Ari and I have been out on a date, and he's on the, on the screen. I'm sitting next to you. <laughs> Ask me my first question about Ari. So, Coop, when you first looked into Ari's eyes, what did you feel? I felt nothing, Raj, because he was like a dead fish. You know, uh, he really didn't give me anything. And, uh, you know, it was just, a, it was, I just didn't think the date was going anywhere. Ari, did you have any expectations going into your date with Coop? I knew he was going to be fun. I mean, guy played for the Showtime Lakers. I knew we were going to have a good time. Coop, what was the best part of the date? When I dropped him off at home and was on my way home. And there you have it, people. So- <laughs> Roger Large Blind Date. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, Roger, listen, coming up in the 80s, what's your best memories of the forum? Oh, my God. Coop, uh, again, I'll, I'll go back to my buddy John Stamos, who was doing a, a series for CBS at the time, and he got us floor seats a couple of times for some of those Lakers Celtic games. Come on. There, there was, and, and I don't want to sit here and sound like my grandfather or my late great uh, father, 
But there was nothing better, nothing better in SoCal than Lakers Celtics in the 80s. You couldn't have written the script any better. You know, everyone played up Bird against Magic, but I love so many of the matchups. And not only did the players hate each other, the fan bases hated each other. And that's the key to a rivalry. It was pure, healthy hatred for one another. We hated the Celtic green. They hated the purple and gold. And I got to tell you, the night that uh, Kevin McHale, you know, nearly uh, took uh, Rambus's head off. How about the fact that after all that, imagine that happening today, Coop, and all Rambus did was go to the free throw line and shoot two free throws. Meanwhile, on the broadcast, that jackass Tommy Heinsohn was saying, oh, I think that's just pretty good aggressive defense by <laughs> Kevin McHale. Why, you almost killed Rambus. Good, healthy defense. What the hell is that? Well, in today's game, oh, uh, McHale would be out for about 15 or 20 games yeah. and yeah. find maybe a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, it is, basketball has definitely changed back then. Did you ever uh, go to the Forum Club? You. Did you ever get to the Forum Club? Uh, I got uh, Stamos got us into the Forum Club on, on several different occasions. And I got to tell you, there was no place in this town ever cooler than the Forum Club. Not everybody could get in. There was It was probably the most amazing combination of talent, if you know what I mean, in one room at the same time. You had incredible Oscar-nominated and Academy Award-winning actors, Emmy Award-winning actors, the most beautiful women you'll ever see in your entire life. Meanwhile, Chick Hearn is tending bar. How amazing <laughs> is that? And no telling, you might see what player that will run through there for a quick second to grab one of that talented, one of those talented players. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing and a really, really special time. And when you think about it, and still to this day, Coop, and I'm sure you're the same way, whenever you fly into LAX, I always go out of my way to make sure my flight coming back into LA is on the right side of the plane. On the right side. I can see that beautiful building because it was—it just warms my heart every time I see it. My hero growing up of opposing players was Pistol Pete, and uh, I'll never forget the times that I jumped in my '69 Camaro in the '70s to go watch Pistol Pete. Pistol Pete knocked down 30 or 35 for the Jazz that night. But the memories that come immediately whenever anybody says the forum was 21 with the drawstring hanging out, giving Larry Bird fits, or Andrew Tony of the Philadelphia 76ers, or whoever else they wanted to bring on. Coop was going to shut them down, baby. Roger, I love you. I love you, man. I love <laughs> this guy. Roger, listen. Okay, uh, the better duo that played at the forum, was it Kobe Shaq or Magic and Kareem? I honestly believe that the Lakers have never had a player like Magic Johnson. He just did everything. And, Coop, you can vouch for this. He did so many of the intangibles. He refused to lose. And the influence he had on the rest of your team was unbelievable. I know he had Kareem. But look at the night in Philadelphia when Kareem was out. What did Magic do? He jumped center, ended up with 42 points, and had the game of his life. 
I mean, there was just something about magic. Whatever it took, he was going to get the job done. And he made his teammates better. He got you the ball. And not only did he get you the ball, he got you the ball where you wanted it. He would get you the ball opposite side where you could step into a three. One of your most underrated things you ever did. How many big-time threes did Michael Cooper have to not only put three points on the board for the Lakers, but ruin the opponent? I mean, they – and you know Coop better than anybody. He's a former NBA head coach. That three-pointer, it can be a dagger, and you hit a lot of daggers to give the Lakers uh, wins, man. That was big. It was big. It was big. Uh, better coast to coast there, Bill Jackson or Pat Riley? Oh. I'm such a Riles guy. I'm such a Pat Riley guy. Why? Because he's a big tipper? Come on, Roger. You got, we're going on that coaching ability now. Okay. <laughs> but but and here's the other thing. You, they both had insanely great talent. Yeah. But you have to – when you have incredible players, like Riles had you and Magic and Kareem and Worthy and all the guys, and then Phil had Kobe and Shaq, you still – you're dealing with a lot of egos there. And I think, I think they were really good. I think maybe Phil was a little more cerebral and a little more psychological. Riles, man, he was tough. And he stayed on you guys sometimes a little too much, I would imagine. But uh, I think they were both great in their own way. And the pregame preparation by Pat Riley, I think, was just off the charts. He, he did something as well as anybody that if you want to succeed in basketball or life, Riles dominated the details. And if you want to be great at anything, you got to dominate the details. And nobody did that better than Riles. And you know what? That was the biggest thing about him is his attention to detail. I, I've never had a coach. And again, I've had many coaches, but Pat Riley would probably be the best. And I emulated my coaching style and techniques after him. One of the best coaches for getting you prepared to play and his motivational speeches and talks. He would some of his talks, I was like amazed. It was like, you know, listen to Hemingway or something like that. Because yeah. Riles could get you up to play the game. And all while doing it in a $5,000 Armani suit. I mean, it was just unbelievable. It was such a great look. How perfect was Riles? And his hair slicked back. Yes. back. How perfect was that look for that time, not only in the NBA, but in society, I mean, in Hollywood, right. he was up and down the sidelines looking like Michael Douglas. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Perfect coach and look for Showtime. Totally. No question. Coop, do you have any examples, like anecdotes that you remember of like just how crazy he was in attention to detail? Hey, have you heard of Masterclass? Masterclass lets you learn from the best with exclusive access to online classes taught by masters of their craft. You can learn how to develop your basketball skills to shake that defensive player by Steph Curry. Improve your backstroke to get that winning point on the tennis court from Serena Williams. Or learn from the master himself, Herbie Hancock. With over 75 different instructors across tons of categories, there is literally something for everyone. Whether you're interested in sports, music, game design, or cooking, there's a master class for you. 
I highly recommend you check it out. With over 75 different instructors across tons of categories, there is literally something for everyone. I chose the Steph Curry program. My son's ball handling skills have been proved by leaps and bounds. I was blown away by the depth of knowledge that went into that masterclass session. Get unlimited access to every masterclass, and as a Showtime with Coop listener, you get 15% off the annual all-access pass. Go to masterclass.com slash showtime. That's masterclass.com slash showtime for 15% off masterclass. Masterclass. Get it? Got it? Good. Coop, do you have any examples, like anecdotes that you remember of like just how crazy he was in attention to detail? Uh, one of the things he used to do for us in the playoffs, because once we got to the playoffs and we got ready, and back then we had the VHSs, not the digital stuff they have now, yeah. is that uh, he would put your scouting report together, and he would have the assistants do it, and then he would put together, it would be like a, in order to get you to watch the whole thing, because he knew we'd watch the first 30 seconds, and then Kareem would throw the tape away and come in, and we could almost BS our way through the talk, the pregame talk, is that he would put a code word. So, like, for instance, mine would be, if I had to guard on my tape, would be Larry Bird, Dennis Johnson, uh, uh, never M.L. Carr, because that fucker always sat on the side waving a towel, and I, I knew what he was going to do. But let's say Magic John, uh, Larry Bird and, and uh, uh, Dennis Johnson, he'd go, Coop, the code word is bird source. And it could be in the beginning, the middle, or the end. So... That way, the next day you come to practice and he'd ask you about your person that you're matched up with and he'd go, what's your code word? And you had to know it. And if you didn't know it, you got fined like $1,000 for back in the 80s. That was a lot of money back right. then for us. So those are some of the things, yeah. attention to detail that Pat Riley would kind of do to kind of spruce things up. And one more thing about his motivational, he told us about his father growing up uh, and how his dad, there was a bully on the block. And his dad would ask his, his father to come home, be home at a certain time, and this bully was running the block. So what Coach Riley's father would do was walk all two blocks all the way around to get home, and he came home late one day. And his father said, listen, why are you coming? He said, Dad, there's a bully down there, and I don't want to deal with him. I just, he said, listen, you be home at 3.05 tomorrow, and if you're not here, you're going to have to deal with more than that bully. He said, bullies bark is louder than their bite. And he said, sometimes you have to plant your feet and make a stand. So the next day, his dad comes, and he gets there, and he sees the bully, and he plants his feet, and he puts his fist up like he's ready to front, like ready to fight. And the bully said, man, go on by. And he was able to get home. So the, the analogy for that was the Boston Celtics are the bully. It's time for us to plant our feet and make a stance against this team after we lost to them in 1984. And that's what we did and went on and kicked their ass in 85. Hey, Coop, was your greatest win as an NBA basketball, uh, basketball player when you beat the Celtics and did it on the parquet yes. and won that championship? For sure. And it was, the, the, uh, it, it was big only because, of Roger, you know this growing up in California, that we always lost to the Celtics. Jerry West, Will, uh, Elgin Baylor, they never got a chance. So we won, and especially when we won it there, that was kind of like, here, take this, and it was a – uh, poking the eye, a kick in the butt. Uh, it was a break red R-back cigar in half. It was all of that mixed up <laughs> into one thing. Yeah. What happened the year before when they rushed the court? And, and, and Roger, other Lakers, Kareem said that. I mean, anybody that won multiple championships during the Showtime era with Lakers 
We'll yeah. say 85 was the, was the, was the be-all, end-all of it. And, Coop, did you feel like not only you won it for the team, but you won it for the fans here in Southern California that year? Oh, for sure, for the city of Los Angeles. For yeah. the city of Los Angeles and all the woes going back all the way to the 60s on how the Lakers could never, ever beat that. Uh, for you, Roger Lodge, for yeah. Jack Nicholson, all the people that had to go through that uh, losing period where we eventually lost. And, Roger, this is at the point now to where we're in Coop's lightning round. Oh, what? I'm going to ask you about five people. Yeah. You can give me a little bit about them, okay? Okay. Uh, Dick Clark. Dick Clark was uh, not only the king at what he did, but I, uh, I met him many, uh, many different times in pitch meetings or I did a daytime talk show that he was a co-host of. And I got to tell you, uh, I got a great Dick Clark story. I was still waiting tables, and uh, the, the, I was the manager in my apartment building, but I was out there pitching TV show ideas, and, and Stamos and I were roommates. And we'd have breakfast every morning at Jerry's Deli out in the Woodland Hills. So I, I, I come into breakfast one morning, and I was all dressed up. And Stamos says, dude, why are you all dressed up? Where are you going? And I said, I got a pitch meeting this morning with Dick Clark. And he laughingly said, oh, right, like Dick Clark's going to really be in that meeting, right? And I said, no, I, I really think that Dick Clark's going to be in my pitch meeting. And Stamos said, if Dick Clark is in your pitch meeting, then I will personally come to that meeting and make out with you in front of him. And I started laughing. So I get in my car and I go to Burbank to Dick Clark's office and they, they take me into the conference room. Who was the first person that walked into that room, but the great Dick Clark himself. So I told Dick Clark what Johnny had said and he grabbed my cell phone and he called Stamos and he said, hello, Johnny. I think you need to come down here and do something. <laughs> the nicest guys I've ever met in this business, and obviously just a genius. Yeah, for sure. Tick Hearn. I was at Marie Callender's at Sherman Oaks, where Chick Hearn would often eat breakfast. And I saw him there countless number of times. And one day, I don't know what came over me, but I got up enough nerve to talk to the great Chick Hearn. And I went up to him um, at the, uh, at the, uh, with the, the buffet when he was getting his scrambled eggs. And I said, Mr. Hearn, my name is Roger. And I was so nervous to talk to him because come on, I grew up with my little green transistor radio under my pillow. I had the green transistor under my pillow when Jerry West hit a 61 footer from the backcourt to send the game into overtime against the Knicks in the 1970 finals. And I told Chick all of that. Coop, he sat me down for about 15 minutes and encouraged me to chase my dream of being a sport in sports radio or wow. broadcasting or being a host. He was absolutely amazing. And by the way, if you go back to Jerry West's 61-footer, go watch that video. Wilt takes Dave DeBusher's make out of the net. Wilt never even went out of bounds. He took it out of the net and just threw it to Jerry West. And Wilt started walking to the locker room. And Jerry West throws in one from behind the court. They had to go get the dipper. He had left. <laughs> you know, he, he's famous for 2,000 women, so maybe he wanted to get an early start. <laughs> 2,000? Don't disrespect him. It's 20,000. Come oh, on. Oh, 20,000. That's right. <laughs> Uh, the late great Dick Ember. Oh, oh, now, now you're really, 
tugging at my heartstrings because I grew up in Lakewood, California, about 20 minutes down the street from the Big A. And I was the only guy in my neighborhood that was an Angel fan. And again, my green transistor radio was often tucked strategically under my pillow to avoid the wrath of my mother because I was supposed to be asleep. But I would always say, I'm going to go to bed early tonight. Why? Because I was going to be in bed with my best friend, which was my little green transistor radio at the time, listening to that soft, warm voice of Dick Ember, who when he called Angel Games, I felt like he was talking to me. He was absolutely incredible. And when I had the honor and thrill of having him on my radio show, it was just something I'll never forget. Dr. Jerry Buss. Dr. Buss, the greatest owner in the history of sports. The man the man who brought us Showtime. The man that brought us Laker girls. The guy (laughs) saw NBA basketball as more than just a game. When you went to games at the Forum Coop, and you know this better than anybody, you weren't just going to an NBA basketball game. You were going to an event, and he brilliantly raised the ticket prices to sit on the floor back then. It was nuts, but he knew exactly what he was doing because you weren't anybody unless you were at the Forum for a big Laker game. It was the place to be. Last but not least, the great, and he had a birthday yesterday, Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. Kobe was just in, I don't know if you can see the the Mamba jersey here. I see it there, baby. There you go. Two Fox Studios. Nobody went at it harder. Nobody competed and wanted to win more than Kobe Bryant. But I got to tell you, Coop, 30,000-plus points, five NBA championships, even one titles without Shaq. But the number one accomplishment, as far as I'm concerned, as the father of three children, the man and the father that Kobe became after his NBA career was off the charts. Family came first, his relationship with his beautiful wife, Vanessa, and it still to this day seems so surreal that Kobe's not here. And he's not here. You listen to the Showtime with Coop. We have Roger Lodge of the Sports Lodge. You can listen to him every afternoon, AM 830, KLAA. Angels or Dodgers this year, Roger? Well, my halos are off to a really, 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 <laughs> really historically rough start. The Dodgers, I'd be shocked if they don't end up in the World Series. But then again, once you get to the postseason, anything can happen. Look at Clayton Kershaw. He's the greatest regular season pitcher of our generation. Something happens when he gets to the postseason. And I hope this is the year that the Dodgers do break through and win this thing. And people ask me all the time, how can you wish good things for the Dodgers when you cover the Angels on Angels Radio AMA 30? It's better for Southern California, and it's better for baseball when both the Angels and the Dodgers are really, really good. And I just hope and pray that in my lifetime, I can see an Angels-Dodgers World Series. That might happen. And again, Roger, what do you think about this pandemic that we're going through? How do you think baseball is handling it? Because the NBA has done a pretty good job with that bubble that they've got there. How do you think baseball is handling it? I think that, well, quickly to touch on what Adam Silver is doing with the NBA is just absolutely phenomenal. But you look at the numbers and, you know, hardly any positive tests. It's absolutely incredible. But to all of the athletes in the NBA and the coaches 
and their families, and the same to everyone involved in Major League Baseball, and not just the players, the coaches, and the families, but how about the thousands of people that put in so many hours to just make it possible that yeah. we could get through a 60-game Major League season. So my hat, and I tip my cap to all of those people as well, and to all the players, let's face it, they're putting a lot on the line here. Uh, the best player in baseball, the guy who plays center field for my Halos, Mike Trout, his wife Jessica, they just had their firstborn, Beckham, and Mike's been away and back and back and back and forth. These guys are sacrificing a lot to give us that, you know, so we can sit back at night and be entertained by the best athletes in the world. So there's a lot of people we should be really appreciative of what they're doing. Well, you know, My favorite sports thing. has done a great job of trying to overcome this pandemic. Roger, I know you got to get going, but I got a couple more questions for you. Lakers no, versus no, the – One thing straight. I got nowhere to go. If I'm not here, I'm going to be, uh, you know – trying to get down to the mall and see what's on sale. I got all day, baby. Let's go. Lakers, Clippers, who do you like this year? I like the Clippers because, well, Paul George right now couldn't throw a pee in the ocean, as Chicky used to say. <laughs> but once, Paul George, once Paul George gets going, I like the Clippers because not only do you have PG-13 and Kawhi, you got some size in Zubac. You got Sweet Lou coming off the bench. Montrez Harrell does all of those things that, you know, he does all those intangibles. He does a lot of the dirty work. He doesn't need the basketball. I just think the, the Clippers have more depth, and they play better defense. The Lakers clearly have LeBron and Anthony Davis. But, Coop, we got to get a consistent, dependable third scorer. Some nights it's Kuz. The other night it was KCP. We got to get a little more consistency because LeBron and AD to win a championship, you can win a title with two superstars, no question about it, but you need some third guy to step up and consistently make shots. Well, let's jump with the, uh, the Clippers for a quick second. You think they'd be – listen, tonight's game is probably one of the biggest games of the Clippers season. If yeah. they go down 3-2 – to the Mavs, I think they lose that series. Now, at the beginning, I had them pick to win. But this kid, uh, Donna Luka, Luka Donich, Luka Donich, a guy that I cannot stand, don't like him, but I have gained a newfound respect for this kid. What, 23 years old? 21. He's 21 20. years old. See, that's telling you how much I know about him, Rod. <laughs> but, again, your thoughts about this game tonight? I think who wins tonight wins the series because, like you said, if the Clippers go down 3-1, I think that Luka could have one gigantic game in the final couple games and pull off a, a, a Mavs series win. But I think the Clippers not only need to win tonight, they need to send a message tonight. Porzingis isn't playing. Not only do the Clippers need a W, but they need to make a statement by winning in convincing fashion and crushing the hopes and the spirit of the Mavs much to the chagrin of Mark Cuban. You're working with Cuban now, aren't you? We did a show together on his cable network, a dating show called Celebridate. Uh, and uh, so Mark is, he has his hands in so many different things. One of the best guys I've ever worked with. You talk about a guy that dominates the details. Cuban knows what he's doing in a whole lot of different things. Yeah. What's your, what's your favorite job, like, 
you were, you know, you've ho- you've done a you've done the game show hosting, you've you've done acting, you've done sports talk. I've only done one of those three, but I'd like to do the other two. Sure. Uh, <laughs> what gives you the most joy? What gives you the most pleasure? I, I think, I, I think, in sports broadcasting, what I have the opportunity to do, working with the Angels as closely as I do, I've had a couple of occasions where. You know, Mike Trout is not only the best player in baseball, but he is an absolutely incredible young man. And he and his wife, Jessica, love the kids, and they love doing things and making a kid's day. So I've been lucky enough on several different occasions to – I'm kind of the liaison between the players and the fans. And when we do an event or I bring – I'll cold call a parent on our radio show, the parent will put the kid on the phone – and then I have that young baseball little leaguer on the phone with Mike Trout, and you can just clearly hear it making that child's year. It just doesn't get any better than that, yeah. and that never gets old to me, and I absolutely love it. You know what? The Lakers and the Clippers, I think, got two bad matchups for them. I think the Clippers, Mavs was a, the Mavericks was a bad matchup. I think Portland was a bad matchup at the beginning. Lakers obviously have solved that problem. Do you think the Lakers go ahead and put this team away and get ready for, and again, (laughs) you know, I thought it was going to be Houston, but now that might be OKC. That's the thing about the bubble coop. Without the home court advantage, it's like anything could happen, and I think that kind of makes it fun. Obviously, we all miss the fans, but it does give this whole playoff scenario in the bubble a really interesting element. I got to tell you, I like Portland going into this thing until I actually watched a couple of games and have come to the realization that Nurkic, the big fellow for Portland, plays like a wimp. This guy doesn't play like a 7-foot, 270-pound guy. He plays like an 11-year-old schoolgirl, and the Lakers are taking advantage of his softness. And I think the Lakers put him away and get this thing over with. Well, I think they took uh, uh, Damian Lillard's heart. I mean, that first game they let him get out. Now they're double teaming, which is going to put more pressure. Yeah. Um, I agree. You could put a dress on Nurkic. Uh, I think he's scared of AD, and AD has put that fear in him. And I think, again, the Lakers will go ahead and sweep that. And, Coop, the last couple of games, it's so obvious that LeBron can get to the rim anytime he wants, and Anthony Davis can get a good look anytime he wants. You know, we all knew Anthony Davis was good before he got here. We saw the highlights on SportsCenter. We all have the packages now. We can watch any game we want any time. But i got to be honest, I didn't realize how good Anthony Davis is. This guy is one of the most versatile big men the game has ever seen, and I'm really looking forward to watching him get better while wearing the purple and gold. Let's face it. A couple of years from now, he's going to carry the torch and carry this franchise, and I'm looking forward to that because I think he's the perfect guy to do it. Hey, Roger, you know in these hard and tough times, uh, being quarantined and, and, like you say, you have nowhere to go but look at your spot there. Have you ever heard of Manscaped? Uh, yes, yes. Yes. It's a grooming tool, and I think both of us need it because yes. I've grown my beard now. Yes. Look at me. I'm a wreck. I need Manscaped. Where do I get this Manscaped? <laughs> you know, I'm going to make sure I get you some. Because they got some great uh, travel bags. They got performance boxer briefs. And they got some things, a spray that keep your, your boys down there from yeah. sticking to your leg. 
Oh, I love this. Because look at my eyebrows. I look like Bert from Sesame Street. It's all just one eyebrow right now. I need the manscape. I demand the manscape. Let's do it. Sure. Roger, where can they hear you one more time? The Sports Lodge, weekday afternoons on Angels Radio, AM 830. Don't miss it. We have a lot of fun. And, uh, Cook, before I leave you, I have to say this, okay? I have been a big admirer of yours, not only as a basketball player, but as a person. And I just want everyone to know that not only should Michael Cooper be in the Basketball Hall of Fame, this guy belongs in the Human Being Hall of Fame. After all of your success, Coop, all of these years, the fact that you have always been so kind to me, I truly, truly appreciate it. You know, they always say, careful meeting your heroes. It's not going to go very well. This particular guy right here, Michael Cooper, it could not have gone any better. I'm thrilled to be able to say you're a friend of mine, and I can't thank you enough for having me on the show. There you have it, listeners. I couldn't say it better than myself other than keep taking it to the hoop with Coop.